0: In a box undigified Gonna rewind And give them one more try Think about the days Of lo-fi Mixtape Memorex And TDK Getting music out there The old-fashioned way Making the greatest hits Of one day Mixtape Phonograph. And dual cassette Before you could get everything on the internet But some things ain't made it there yet the Mix mixtape Line in, line out If you don't have a line Hold the recorder to the speaker Turn the volume to nine Here's an accidental slice
1: of time Welcome to Gen X Mixtape, the nostalgic podcast dedicated to the art of making mixtapes and the Gen Xers who made them. This is part two of Holiday 3, where Alan and I will be curating side B of a mixtape, featuring another round of holiday songs just in time for the season. Welcome back for the last time this year, 2022.
2: Last, uh, yep. Uh, what a season it has been. I, I, I could not be happier with our season three I and mean, everything about uh, this summer, uh, into the fall into the winter uh, has really just been very special so yeah. I, you know just at the offset, I want to say thank you to a, you know all the fans that we picked up all the followers on social media it's been it's been an honor it's been a lot of fun
1: and thanks for your reviews and your emails because really that's what at least that's what keeps me going yeah um, its you know a vanity project uh, where you don't have any listeners only goes so far uh, but when you get a real audience when you build a real audience it, it you know you're not just doing it for yourself mm-hmm. and so there's a little debt of responsibility to yep. not only put on a, a show but try to put on the best show you can. So
2: yep. and it's uh, yeah, our our listenership it's it's tripled um just in the last year. I mean it's it's amazing yep. what, what, what has happened. It's been very humbling. Yep. So
1: Thank you. Thank yeah, you very thank much. Thank you very
2: much. Um how was your week?
1: It's getting close to <laughs> time off. As yes. teachers, um yeah. 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 I, I just Let's just say the September or August, I should say, through Christmas or through New Year's. New Year's goes really, really fast mm-hmm. every year. Um, you got a lot going on. You got football, got harvest festivities, Thanksgiving, a lot of breaks in there, Christmas, Hanukkah, all that stuff. But man, you come back in January yeah. and it's this long marathon to spring break,
2: and it's dark. It's, it's
1: dark. It's cold. Yeah, it's there's, you know. there's footballs not on anymore. You can only watch so many streaming shows.
2: Well, just daylight savings. I mean, it's just oh, the moment we fall back. That extra hour of sleep is not. Well, worth
1: they're talking it. about getting rid of that. Yeah, I know. It's would be nice. I'm hoping they do. I really am. But anyway, we're not here to complain about our weather again. No, we are not. <laughs> <In> Northeast Ohio. <laughs> Pretty
2: sure that's how we started last week. So. <laughs> good
1: thing we don't record in the, in the wintertime. <laughs> right? <laughs> All right, I guess it's my my pick here? Yes, sir. All right, Side B. Uh, I mentioned him last week as having one of the, um, the, I I think, one of the greatest holiday records, at least in my top 10. Um, That's Harry Connick Jr.'s "One My Heart Finds Christmas from 1993. And boy, this is a solid album, top, top to bottom. You know, he's got covers, and he has, uh, I think, four original songs. And um, you know, Harry Connick. I mean, and I guess I'm not a Michael, Michael Bublé fan, but oh, no, but it's, not it, at it, all. It, it's a slam dunk when artists like this, when modern artists who can croon and who have a jazz sensibility, you know, it's just a slam dunk.
2: Although I will say, Harry Connick, I his first first maybe half dozen uh, albums were were very. Much in keeping with you know what, what what right. brought him to the attention of, sure. of his fans in the last maybe 10, 15 years because when we were doing our uh, our Valentine's Day episode mm-hmm. last year I, I was looking at Harry Connick I wanted to bring in something newer and I had to go and Harry met Sally because frankly he he's kind of
1: I don't know he, he's, he's adult contemporary yeah very yeah. he's not adult contemporary we, pop. Not, they, all, they all seem to go that yeah, way yeah it's they? not it's not the same they either, music. Quit, they either die quit or they become adult contemporary yeah very much um, that was morbid of me but yeah it seems (laughs) to be the case so with such a great album you know it's difficult to to choose Um, last I think last well one of the last two I chose an original which um, was must have been "Old Santa Claus Um, and this year I decided to go with a cover Uh, and it's not like it's a cover like I described last week where it's like this revolutionary new sound but Unlike Jimmy Buffett, who does a straight cover and can't quite pull it off because he doesn't have the chops. Um, Not his fault. Um, Harry Connick does have the chops. And so when he does a cover, a a little jazzy big band, actually a big band version of Sleigh Ride, um, then you know it's gonna be good. And it is, it's exactly what you expect. This traditional big band romp to the snowy hills on some sleepy road out in the country.
3: sleigh bells jingling ring ting tingling too. come on it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you outside the snow is falling and friends are calling you come on it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you giddy-yap giddy giddy let's go Let's look at the show. We're riding in a wonderland of snow. Come on, horsey, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up. It's grand just holding your hand. We're gliding along with the song of a wintry fairyland. Our cheeks are nice and rosy, and comfy cozy are we? Ooh, we're snuggled up together like two birds of a feather would be Let's take that road before us and sing a chorus or two Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you Come on!
1: The whole album actually is kind of a throwback to jazz holiday classics Um, and then the crooner era Perry Como, Andy Williams, Bing Crosby you know, that golden era of crooner Christmas music. Even the record cover uh, conic is seated in front of the fireplace in a turtleneck it's it's very johnny mathis yes it's yeah. mathis that's another one i should have mentioned yeah uh and it's just it is you can tell it's a direct homage to all of those crooners that that came before so yeah i, I what more can you say it's just a straightforward great big yeah. band rendition of sleigh ride it is Yeah. by the way my favorite sleigh ride is still the boston pops oh, instrumental yeah, yeah. that version.
2: that horse call man it's just oh it's beautiful yeah
1: yeah. I I almost went with that, but I decided I didn't want to go instrumental. But uh, yeah,
2: you know, I I almost pulled out the biggie. I almost went with my favorite things by Coltrane. This oh,
1: year. It came yeah. really cool. I
2: might do that next year because I I don't know. I was itching to bring in some John Coltrane and just
1: that's but, asking a lot of our audience. It is. It's, it's thir- <laughs> thirteen
2: minutes of the clarinet. I mean, it's it's what it is. But I I don't care. I love Coltrane. Yeah. But I um yeah didn't do it. But I thought long and hard about it. Yeah. So. All right, what you got? All right, well, uh, you thought it was coming last week. Here it is. Uh, I start this side of our mixtape with Kyle Bruflowski. <laughs> and this one is titled Lonely Jew at Christmas.
4: It's hard to be a Jew on Christmas. My friends won't let me join in any games. And I can't sing Christmas. People don't believe in Jesus Christ, divinity. I'm a Jew, a lonely Jew, on Christmas. Hanukkah is nice, but why is it that Santa passes over my house? Tell me, please. I'm a Jew, a lonely Jew. I can't be merry because I'm Hebrew on Christmas.
1: Uh. And of course, if for those that don't know, Kyle is from the hit TV show. It's been around now for 25 years. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's coming up on its third decade. Oh,
1: my goodness. Yeah. South Park.
2: All right, so. Hear me out, okay. You I am proud to be a Jew. I, I am one hundred percent proud of my faith and my, my heritage. But here's the thing, you can tout the eight nights of celebration angle all you want. <laughs> it is a fact that is held self evident by Jewish children everywhere that there is nothing like Christmas. It just isn't. I'm nothing like a fragrant tree decked in glittering ornaments or, or strung with tinsel and topped with a star sparkly as the cosmos on a clear winter night in some storybook woodland scene, you know? Nothing like the, the fairy lands of shop windows or, or street gangs of carolers and sweaters and muffs or the ridiculous secular mythology of the North Pole and the elves and the reindeer. Uh, you got the Nutcracker, you got the Island of Misfit Toys, you got Frosty the Snowman, Judy Garland singing Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, Elvis singing Blue Christmas. You got the succulent... Christmas ham forbidden to Jews who hold steadfast to Jewish dietary laws, which I don't. You got kisses under the mistletoe. You got eggnog, the nectar of the Goys, right? And you know, add to that the repeated viewings of a Christmas story. And Jewish children everywhere lament that they never padded down the stairs in footy pajamas to a wonderland of of stuffed stockings hanging from the mantle and a pile of presents gathered beneath the tree. You know, cozily as boxy. Woodland creatures seeking shelter from a snowstorm. When you are on the outside looking in, Christmas for Jewish
1: children is amazing. Okay, no, wait a second, wait a second. Okay, everything you just mentioned. Yes. In that very nice litany of Christmas. Like
2: that, I was very proud of that.
1: <laughs> is yes. 100% secular?
2: It is, but so Jewish what, what, Jewish families.
1: That's why I was going to ask. Don't I understand not singing Silent Night? Right. Even maybe watching the Snoopy's Christmas because mm-hmm. of it's very overtly spiritual. But everything else comes from pagan influences that it does. Christians incorporated it does. in order to sell Christmas a little bit better. Very true. And so um, I know you said it didn't back then. Do you think today's Jewish parents are a little more uh, like, as a Jewish parent, you should say, hey, yeah, I mean, this other culture, this other faith has a fantasy about a guy that comes down the chimney? And not that, not that you're going to play Santa for your Jewish kids, but to be able to watch Rudolph. Um, that seems a little strange to me that you wouldn't be allowed to watch that or participate in that just because.
2: Now, well, obviously, I can listen to the music. I wouldn't be doing this podcast. I know when I, you I were couldn't. a kid. Well, you know, I know, I know. Um, the music, it, you know, it's everywhere. The the TV um, specials, yeah. We, I, I always, uh, my parents never forbade me from watching any of the cartoons. Um,
1: the, Is it just the decorations wearing was, a Christmas you in decor- your
2: house yeah I mean okay. you know I mean like I remember when Hallmark began the line of Star Wars ornaments
1: yeah oh, I was pissed because we, I didn't have a tree to hang you them on you could still it. buy an ornament and put them on pegs on your wall or yeah, something. Well, yeah. how about this why not just do the same thing the Christians did and take the tree as a pagan symbol and make it a Hanukkah tree and then you can put your action figures on there, whatever, your ornaments.
2: Uh, every Orthodox Jew in our listening audience just turned us off,
1: Dave. No, 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 listen, is that, what I'm asking, is that more because you don't want pagan influences no. in your it, it's, tradition, or you don't want it because it's like assimilating with the Christian the, culture? It's the assimilation. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
2: I mean, no, I'm Reformed. Right. I'm, I'm a Reformed Jew. My parents never held anything back. I mean, I'm you know uh, my mom converted to Judaism so I was raised in a Jewish house but never had a tree i married a woman who converted to Judaism Jew- the masteds are very good at bringing in converts i guess but uh, largely the reform movement is very very different when you get into the the conservative and especially the orthodox you know it is it is an, an it is, it is the forbidden fruit.
1: But that's more for cultural preservation. It is, yeah. And I understand that, right? They want their kids to be able to, to the children to carry on the same traditions. And, and, so, and that's very important. I understand that. Maybe, it is, it, maybe this is off base. Is it akin to fundamentalist Christians um, not having their kids listen to secular music because they're afraid of the influences that that might have on their faith?
2: I think it is, an I think in some ways.
1: Um, I'm not suggesting that Orthodox Jews and and fundamentalist Christians are the same. Well, no, no, no. And in, oh, yeah. in a, but in right. a broad way, they are because they are the most conservative right. wings of their pers- yeah. perspective. Um,
2: I think that's a huge part of it. Um, see, here, here's kind of how my parents did it. I mean, we, there was no Christmas influence in the house. However, my parents thought nothing of me going to a friend's house, you know, to help decorate the tree or, you know, to you know, ship me off to go see a Christmas movie at the theater. You know, nothing was forbidden to me. It just was not pervasive in our home, sure. and, and that was true of most most of the Jews that I I right. knew growing up. Today, interfaith marriage is so prevalent. Sure, uh, it was it was then too, but but today, I mean, it's it's everywhere, and you have a lot of kids that grow up. I don't want to say confused because that's unfair. I mean, if the parents are teaching. You know what right the holidays mean then you know but you have the kids growing up with you know the the both faiths in the home you know it's not it's not uncommon i would imagine you know to just see the the painted easter egg on the on the passover seder plate you know and really um but yeah it's just for for a large contingent a large contingency of jewish uh, america you know the kids um you know they it is strictly forbidden by a lot of a lot of the families. The secular stuff is secular, but it's still. I, I don't know if it is just something that they fear. Well, will, I think will it's, assimilate or whatever. I it think it is be. cultural,
1: and, that, and again, we're going off on a tangent. But I think it's a good tangent.
2: Well, no, it's it's um,
1: it's. I think it yeah. goes back to so when immigrants started coming to the country, mm-hmm. right, and they all, which makes sense, they all kind of moved together. You have your Chinatown and your um, what am I thinking, Germantown, and right. Little Italy, right? Um, and that makes sense because you're more comfortable in your own culture. Um, but remember that at the time, so 150 years ago, if, if your Italian child were to marry an Irish child, mm-hmm. like that was a big no-no. That was like interracial marriage. Right. Um, I'm sure some of it was prejudice, but I'm sure a lot of it simply was wanting to preserve the culture, not wanting to have those Conflicts, so those interfaith oh, yeah. conflicts. So you yeah. wanted your children to marry someone of the same faith, so the same traditions could be passed down. Oh, yeah. So I think a lot of it is not as much prejudice as it is wanting to preserve your culture.
2: It is, yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And my grandparents' generation, um, you know, it, it, if if my 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 parents' generation, if they were to bring home a, you know, a, a, a non a, a gentile, mm-hmm. <laughs> a non Jew, that would have, and you had families. just Write you off, sure, sure. You know, it just at the mention of it. Um, not my grandparents, but but I mean, yeah. A it, lot of that generation. It's a culture. It is. Thing. It right. really is. Yeah. Um, but but that whole lead-in. Here's the thing. That served a purpose because no song more accurately details everything I just said. No, no, no song more accurately, more insightfully, actually explains the dashing of Jewish children's dreams at Christmas time. Than lonely Jew at Christmas.
1: Are Matt and Trey both Jewish?
2: Uh, only Matt. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Trey is Mormon.
1: Oh, that's right. I yeah, knew that. Trey is Mormon. I knew that. Or um, was Mormon? He don't well, yeah, still he's is Mormon. former,
2: former Mormon. But um, no, Matt. Matt is a non-practicing Jew. He, he considers himself an atheist. Um, Matt Stone, but he he is Jewish. Um, so a lot of this
1: is from personal experience. It is. Yeah.
2: Kyle uh, Kyle Broflovsky is actually based on Matt Stone, and Stan Marsh is actually based on. Trey Parker. Gotcha. So, okay. who, who who the hell Carter is? Car- Cartman. <laughs> Cartman. Carter. I don't know. Who Carter is. I'm sure there's some kid out there. <laughs> I'm sure. But that's but, not an adult. Yeah. That um, was the Cartman and Kenny? Yeah, I I don't know. Cartman. Um, but anyway, here here's the the spiel. Okay. Um, the episode that this comes from, um, it is um, titled. Uh, Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poop. Oh, I love that. Okay. how. You know, it, ooh, that was good. It was very good. Um, yeah, The Lonely Jew at Christmas, it was featured on the ninth episode of the first season of South Park. And it was the episode that followed Kyle Brovlovsky as he feels excluded from the town's Christmas celebrations due to being Jewish, finding solace in a sentient piece of feces, essentially.
1: Uh, Mr. Pretty much sums up Mr. Hankey.
2: Yeah, it is. Uh, Mr. Hankey does not come alive in the presence of other characters. He's like a Mr. Snuffleupagus, I, I suppose, uh, who consequently thinks that Kyle, um, all the other characters, they think that Kyle is delusional. Meanwhile, the townspeople remove all religious aspects of Christmas to maintain politically correct and inoffensive celebration in the town of South Park. Um,
1: Which is what we're doing with the show.
2: Really? <laughs> right <now>. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Guilty. Um, yeah, Mr. Hanky the Christmas Pooh. It, it was the first South Park Christmas episode, the first musical episode, and the first episode, as well as the only one of the first season in which Kenny did not die. So, Yeah, I said a lot of firsts. The episode actually, um, you know, it's been lauded by Jewish media and by television critics both for its commentary on the way the Jewish children are overlooked during the Christmas holiday uh, a theme that's overtly stated by Stan, who says at the end of the episode that Jewish people are okay and that Hanukkah can be cool, too, as well as Christmas. So, nothing like, you know, giving you the theme, which Stan
1: who's, Rush... Who's the co-singer in this? I, it has to be somebody that we know. I it, just couldn't it, pick it, up on the voice. It is Matt Stone. Oh, is it? Okay. It is Matt okay. Stone,
2: yeah. Uh, the special celebrity guest, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's Matt Stone. Um, but, um, yeah, that theme, I mean, it's... Um, you know, Jewish kids, they... I it was not my experience necessarily, but I did know a lot of Jewish kids that you know it was like I said it was just forbidden and you know for some people, you know this this is another one of those Jewish themed songs that kind of just hits the mark I mean for the Jewish experience, really for any non-christian experience I mean it's not secluded it's not exclusive well, yeah, so. to the Jews right. by any means um, and two here's here's the nice thing about this particular Christmas episode though. For some people, television holiday specials are too saccharine. The one show that rarely gets accused of being saccharine is South Park, which has been gleefully, you know, affronting good taste for more than twenty years now. And Mr. Hanky, the Christmas Pooh, remains a holiday classic for good reason. Um, yeah, and then I had in my notes one final note. Uh, the version used for this mixtape comes from the album Mr. Hanky's Holiday Classics, which does feature a special celebrity guest. It took me forever to find out that it's Matt Stone.
1: <laughs> like literally, I searched. I guess that was a joke because I'm trying to think who yeah. is this? It I sounds. Was, oh my good familiar? god! I was
2: I, I was literally on Google for 45 minutes trying to find out who the special uh, celebrity guest <laughs> That's is, crazy. and it's, it's Matt Stone, is what I found out. Um, but yeah, Matt. Stone uh, in this particular version, he comes. Uh, you know, he, he makes an appearance in the back half of the, of the track, and he basically cheers Kyle up and explains all the wonderful things that he does not have to put up with, not being like going to family
1: functions, family
2: gatherings where the family gets drunk and sitting on the well, at least they can the get lap. drunk.
1: Can you imagine families that don't drink? Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's I when can, you find a corner and you fall asleep.
2: I can, I can imagine. Yeah, um,
1: your turn. All right. Um, another one, your special gift, or a, 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 is a gift? Not a special gift, just a Christmas gift for you by Phil Spector. Yeah, Christmas yeah, okay. gift. I don't know why I want to put special in there. Uh, another offering from that um, record, uh, this time I went with Here Comes Santa Claus, just because I wanted to put on this song, because I liked it as a kid, just a fun Christmas song.
2: I was wondering why you went with Bobby Socks.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I am... just, it was more the song than anything else. I okay. figured, you know. Yeah. I needed to round out some of my choices. I didn't have a lot of traditional stuff. No, so.
2: no, I'm... Cool right. That it's Play just, it, It's probably my least favorite song on the album. Well, was,
1: good then. I'm glad I picked it. Yeah. <laughs> <No>? <laughs> fair, yeah. What fair is fair? <laughs> so, but they're all good. So that's like saying. Yeah. No.
2: Just, yeah. The bar is really, really high. Yes. I mean, so, you know, yes. But I, I just tend to go with the Ronettes or the Crystals above. Yeah. Them, so yeah. I was yeah. just curious why Let you picked give it.
1: Bob B. Socks, and that's how it's spelled. Bob B. Socks. Yes, it is. Uh, and the blue jeans from 1963. Um, here comes Santa Claus. Uh, We talked about Phil Spector last week. By the way, Rolling Stone ranked this record, this Christmas, this Phil, the Phil Spector Christmas album, uh, 142 of their 500 greatest albums of all time yeah. in, in 2012. It is
2: arguably one of the most influential rock and roll albums of all time.
1: And here's, and I don't want to say this is shocking, because it's not shocking. It makes sense. But it's just surprising, and surprising that I had not heard this before. Brian Wilson named this his favorite yeah. album of all time. Oh, yeah. The Christmas Phil mm-hmm. Spector album. Yep. He even tried to play piano on the, one of the tracks because I guess the Beach Boys were recording in the same studio, and Phil said because his performance chops weren't up to par. Yeah, so he wasn't allowed to perform. But uh, yeah, you know, and, and we talked about this where Brian Wilson was a huge fan protege of Phil Spector and spent a lot of time watching him work and you know making that wall of sound. So that makes sense. Um, the song was originally a country hit by Gene Autry in 1947 has been, of course, covered by dozens of artists over the years, and sure, including the Chipmunks at some point. Uh, Bob B. Socks and the Blue Jeans, maybe one of the lesser-known Spectre projects, at least it is for me. Um, one of the Blue Jeans, however, is Darling Love. Yes. So there, see, it's a Darling Love track. <laughs> <laughs> the other was Fenita James. I'm not familiar with Fanita James. Um, but both women were a part of The Blossoms. So there you go, yeah. some early rock history. Yeah,
2: there was a lot of incestual relationships in, in the wall of sound. Not literally, but like artists, like very nearly all the songs that are credited to the Crystals were Darlene Love singing.
1: Right, I know, yeah, she sang lead. on all the hits. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, and they were falsely, I And mean, the Crystals were a background group right. at best. So I mean, yeah, Phil kind of, he had his favorites. so I mean, it basically came down to Ronnie. Or or Darlene. And, you know, he would just flesh out or or make up sometimes, you know, female girl groups to kind
1: of... So you're not putting the same product out there too much. Exactly, yeah. It
2: diversified, so...
1: The the band, however, was dropped by the label. So Bobby Sox dropped his stage name and began performing as Bobby Sheen. Um, I guess he was moderately successful, but not greatly. And he eventually ended up joining a touring lineup of the Coasters. We saw a touring lineup of the coasters. We did. Back in the 90s. Yeah, we did. Um, this track is just, is, it's almost epic, I think. And Maybe this is why I picked it. Because the wall of sound just conjures up this larger-than-life holiday wonderland mm. between the listeners' ears. The wall of sound is perfect for Christmas it is um, because there are just so many elements going on and it feels so big and so grand and you know it's like I don't know for, for you if you feel this way with, with Hanukkah maybe not after <laughs> no. what you've all described <laughs> no. but, but Christmas is always bigger in the imagination mm-hmm. than when you finally get there yeah. And you get there and, and it's still good, but you sit there thinking, like, oh, I just remember it being, right? That's what we do with our memory. We, we build mm-hmm. this up and it becomes this grandiose thing. And that's what this song does. It, sound, it sounds like Christmas. Yeah. Because it's so epic.
2: Yeah. Now, I'm, Han- I'm, I love Hanukkah, but Hanukkah is not the holiday that most Christians think that it, yeah, it is. Yeah,
1: it, it, it just was made it, larger to compete yeah, with, with it, Christians. Yeah. Right? It's,
2: uh, Jewish holidays, they come down, there, there are holy days and there are festivals. And Hanukkah is most definitely a festival. It's it's it really it's a celebration of a of of, of Maccabees. victory in war. Yeah. I mean that's all it is. It's the one time where you know the persecutors did not win against the Jews. Right. Really, um, well that's not the only time. I mean that's also the story of Purim. But I'm mean, largely yeah. Hanukkah is a, a good excuse for eating fried food for gambling. That's the whole purpose of dreidel and for drinking your your sweet wine you know your, your Manischewitz they didn't start giving I mean the gifts were the guilt it was right. the you know the chocolate candy Jewish kids did not start getting gifts until they really started to see the, all their Christian friends getting right. gifts right. I mean Hanukkah Hanukkah is a wonderful celebration but it's not it really if it fell any other time during the year I, you know Christian my Christian friends would never have heard of it we are, we're going to return, this is a member of the 27 Club here, um, Amy Winehouse. Um, this particular track, this track, oh, it infuriated me. Because this is literally the, well, okay, let me take a
1: step back. I'm interested now. Yeah,
2: all right, so next up, th- this is the curious Christmas tale of mommy who has spied making out with Mr. Claus.
5: Mommy kissing said to underneath the mistletoe last night.
2: The song has always been a secular favorite of mine. And for 15 years, here's where I was going with this. For 15 years, I searched high and low for information about a little known recording of this song by the legendary Amy Winehouse. Okay? I heard her version just one time. It was the early 2000s. I couldn't even tell you what year it was. I just, I heard it. I don't know where I heard it. But I could find no information about this track. I could not find a copy of the song itself. And for almost two decades, I literally had figured that I had only imagined hearing Winehouse's version. I thought I had to have imagined it. Until in 2020, it was a Christmas miracle because Spotify posted the single release and it was real and it is fantastic. Um, It was originally recorded on December 15th of 2004 at Union Chapel in Islington, um, the the borough of uh, Islington in London. Um, And it was to be aired on the BBC Radio 2 Christmas Day special. The track was unreleased here in the States. It it just never made its way across the pond, which was criminal, because Amy Winehouse's bluesy, raspy version, and it brings to bear all of her Aretha Franklin influence with her own unique swagger. And I I dare you to find a, a more appropriate version of this song, given the song's subject matter. I mean, it is just what she does with this, and it is a live recording, but it is crystal clear. I love it. I love this track. And, yeah, I could not find – I thought I imagined this for 15 years.
1: And yeah, there, there are some things like that. I can't think of any examples, but I go out and, and look on, on the web, which you can you know, find anything on the web, and, and I couldn't find any evidence of, of, of something. Like, here's one I can remember. There was, there was a sitcom, and I think it only lasted a, uh, maybe one or two episodes before it was canceled, right? I don't remember the name of the sitcom. But I remember there was a scene where people were playing poker, so, by the way, if this resonates with anyone in the audience, please let me know because this has been <laughs> driving me nuts for, for for a long time. They're playing poker, and there's a, kind of a cheap knockoff of a Mr. T kind of character. Talks like Mr. T, but he's really not Mr. T, but he's kind of the comic relief. And all I remember was during this poker game, Donald Trump is playing poker. And I remember it had having, this is like in the early 80s, so I remember hearing about Donald Trump, you know, the they used to, you know, Billy Crystal would make jokes about him, You know, collecting buildings like trading cards and so forth. So I knew he was this real estate mogul, and I remember that was weird. I'm like, why is why is he in this show? Like, he's not an actor. Of course, of course, he would eventually be on any any guest star spot, including Home Alone too, and. So I, I, I guess maybe that's what reminded me of this. And I thought, what was the name of that show? And, and cause another show like that was Sledgehammer. But I figured out I love Sledgehammer. I figured out that it was loved that, that, that. that actually existed. Yeah. I still have not. I've I've, ty- I've typed all sorts of combinations of, you know, sitcom, poker, Donald Trump, early '80s, uh, actor, and uh, nothing comes up. So if anyone in the audience, maybe, maybe it's just one of those uh, Mandela effect things. Maybe there's a different timeline, and I crossed over, and I'm, I was the only one that experienced that. Well,
2: and, and that's what I thought this track by Winehouse was. I mean, literally, I, I thought I was like, I hallucinated the whole damn thing. But no, it's, it's real.
1: And scary. Like I'm, I'm, It's kind of like, well, with Bigfoot, I want to believe, right? right. I have a point here, believe it or not. Um, but I, I deep down, probably know it's not true. But the more and more I read about quantum um, physics from a scientific viewpoint and, and just the how the universe we think works, man, the whole alternate universe theory just makes a lot of sense. It just makes a lot, of sense. in fact, my son said there's a theory out there that says that we may have died several times in our life, but when you die, you just cross over into a different timeline that's as closest as to your current timeline and you can continue to survive. So if you think about a near miss, a car crash, or you know maybe you got really sick at one point and came close, maybe you did die in a different universe <laughs> this is really this fricky. is trippy episode. this is trippy <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> anyway wow <laughs> anyway <laughs> assuming that is true then that, that may have just been uh, a show that didn't exist in this, in this world
2: we're just giving our audience all kinds of playthings. well it's <laughs> the last episode of the it season is, I feel it like is, we can uh, loosen up a little bit true very true
1: all right it is your turn i feel feel like this is another one that was an alternate because i feel like i I talked about this before so so i'll 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 be quick but wonderful christmas time by paul mccartney Mm,
2: the witch's song Yes, yes the
1: single from 1979 It is possibly the best worst christmas song it's definitely one of the best worst paul mccartney songs
2: well it certainly it earns him royalties and tarnishes his legacy at all at once it does so, yeah.
1: hate yeah. it or love it the song um has this solid spot in america's holiday pop music canon yeah it's not a good song <laughs> and i understand why i did before We talked about last week, 87 was kind of, in my mind, the watershed year for holiday rock music or pop music. So before that, you didn't have a lot to go on. And so when 107.9, which was the rock station in Canton, would play Christmas music, you had the same ones over and over again. You had John Lennon's um, Happy Christmas. Yeah. You had um, Stevie Wonder's Someday at Christmas. You had Grandma... Got, well, I don't know if they played that nah, one. Now nah, nah, they the You had the Eagles. Please come home for Christmas. Yeah, Elton...
2: Step into Christmas. Step, Elton, step into Christmas. And El, Elton John. And yeah.
1: they even played you know, Cheech and Chong's uh, Santa's Old Lady. Right. Uh, and then you know, they played this. It, they didn't have a lot to go. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And now there's no excuse to keep playing it because there's plenty of other <laughs> right. music other than the fact that it's probably just nostalgic. But yeah, it, it, most most um, Paul McCartney aficionados uh, would say that this wasn't his best composition.
2: Uh, it wasn't the best era for McCartney frankly.
1: <laughs> yeah, no that was I think back to the egg and that that yeah. whole thing when Wings was kind of breaking up and yeah. he was going solo. Um like like many of these songs that we're discussing, the track did not do well on the charts until much later. Thanks to streaming and heavy airplay during the holidays, the song peaked at number 28 on Billboard's Top 100 just last year. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm not kidding you. What's oh, number 28? Good lord. Uh, which is its highest position to date. And although it may be one of McCartney's weaker compositions, and you mentioned this, the song makes him about four hundred thousand dollars a year, mm-hmm. and a total of fifteen million since its recording. So this somewhat lazy little Christmas song yeah. has earned the man fifteen million since its recording.
2: Man could have recorded this and retired.
1: Not not bad for a campy Christmas. <laughs> yep. Um The song has gotten some press um, lately. I think just last year when when a listener dropped an interesting theory about the track, and you also referred to this that the song is really about a group of people practicing witchcraft in secret, and their cover is Christmas. So they're talking about the, the spirit's up and the moon is high, or whatever the lyrics are, uh, and then all of a sudden, somebody opens the door. Oh, we're simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Look, the choir can sing. They've been practicing all year just saying ding-dong, ding-dong, which is an odd thing to practice all year. <laughs> and then the person leaves, and then they go back to their satanic ritual. Uh, well, I shouldn't say satanic. Yeah, witchcraft I say, isn't necessarily yeah. satanic. I'm just... Filling in the blanks, right, folks. Yeah, and uh, Just offended the
2: entire. I'm sorry, of the did not faith. mean <laughs> to equate
1: Wiccan and, and Satanism, although in pop culture, oftentimes it is. Unfortunately, yeah. so yes, um, I don't think the theory is real, but it's a fun theory.
2: It is a fun theory. I, I've always, yeah, ever since I've read about it, I've been amused by it. The only thing that is more fun is this whole idea that birds aren't real. <laughs>
1: yeah, birds aren't real. I love that. One. We're,
2: we're going to save that for another podcast, <laughs> but, but it's on the same
1: order. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. yeah. Okay, so why, do, why does it feel like we're getting slap happy now?
1: Oh, well, it's, it's the last episode. We're going to let loose a little.
2: Uh, people are going to think we're drinking the eggnog. All right, so we're not.
1: <laughs> well, that's all I have for Mr. Paul McCartney. <laughs> Love it or hate it. It took three different volumes to finally get to it, but uh, we're putting it on the list. There you go. All
2: right, well, I don't have a whole lot to go, f- uh, a whole lot to report for my next one either, frankly. Um, in 1953... A 10-year-old Gayla Peavy declared that she wanted a hippopotamus for Christmas, and she wailed her proclamation in a song, singing that she, Don't want a doll, no dinky tinker toy. I want a hippopotamus to play with and enjoy. And arguably, this most ridiculous of all Christmas novelty songs, this 69-year-old I want a hippopotamus for Christmas, remains both a shrill, inescapable earworm and one of the most celebrated oddities in all of holiday music. Right. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. It peaked at number 24 on Billboard's Pop Chart in 1953, which led to Peavy getting her wish fulfilled. Because in, in Oklahoma City, Peavy's hometown, locals raised nearly $3,000 to gift her a baby hippopotamus. Really? Really. Uh, the hippopotamus's name was Matilda. And she got it for Christmas. What are you going to do with it in about three years? She gifted it to the city zoo.
1: Oh, that's good. good. <laughs> she
2: gifted it to the city zoo, where it lived for nearly 50 years. Uh, Petey actually returned to the zoo in 2017 to welcome a new hippopotamus named Francesca, and again in 2018 to lead a public sing-along for the song's 65th anniversary celebration. This tune just continues to live through cover versions as well. And I've chosen a cover version by one of my favorite bands, the supremely talented Lake Street Dive, who performed this song as a Calypso number. ¶¶ Their version, um, Lake Street Dive's version of this, it comes from a Capitol Records 2017 compilation. Capitol Records just took a number of their performing, um, you know, the, their artists under contract, threw them onto this compilation. It's titled Holidays Rule, Volume 2. Hey, the um, Decemberists
1: are on that. Are they? Yeah. Are they? Yeah. Cool. It's look. actually, it which is weird because they're not a spiritual band by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it is a cover of an old hymn that they do. Oh, really? Which is why I didn't pick it because we're trying hmm. to yeah. keep it secular. But yeah, anyway. Go ahead.
2: Um, Yeah, I'll tell you what. I know that this song tops a lot of worst Christmas songs lists. It it does. But I will always use any excuse to feature lead vocalist Rachel Price's spectacularly silky alto. I mean, it's still the keystone of a young band steeped in the neo-soul and jazzy pop that they've made their signature sound. So, um, yeah, when I saw you know they had a version of this and actually just the calypso nature of their recording it, it isn't half bad i actually really enjoy it yeah no I, I, i'll take this over you know <laughs> pb's version any day so um it's actually i think it's quite a bit of fun
1: so before the song took over the airwaves which is everywhere now you know oh, the last yeah. few years um my wife loves hippopotamus. my for some reason she's one of her favorite animals and really? so when this song i don't know maybe they started playing it early on five six years ago it was her Favorite song and she was excited because it didn't come on very often. Now I, yeah, please everywhere keep playing the song. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I like a fresh new version of it. So I'm glad you picked this. Yeah,
2: now I'm, I'm curious what the what the listeners will think. I, I, mean, I I do I love I love Lake Street Dive and honestly, I I like this version of the song. I'm not a fan of the. It's not. I, I love novelty tunes, but I cannot do. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. By the way, there is a version that is that goes, "I want a hippopotamus for Hanukkah." Oh, and there's out there is also a version that says, "I want a hippopotamus for Kwanzaa." Well, there you go. Yeah, so we could we could bring in you know. Bring it back year after year, I suppose. But yeah, now Lake Street Dive, I, I do. I love this version. So
1: do you, do you like uh, other Christmas novelty tunes? Like "All I Want for Christmas" is my too oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Although I,
2: I I prefer Neck King Coles version of it. Oh okay. Which he doesn't do the whistle. I mean, right. he, he plays it straight. But um, I love yeah, I love Christmas.
1: Or uh, what's the, what's the one? I'm getting nothing for Christmas.
2: That's my favorite. Yeah. Of all the novelties, that's my favorite. yeah uh, Chipmunks would be a close second.
1: But yeah.
2: yeah, I'm getting nothing. Yeah, I love that song.
1: Boy, so. if there were enough of them, I don't know. We could do next year's theme could be Christmas novelty tunes. Oh, we
2: could easily do it. Ooh. Good. Yeah,
1: we'll keep that in mind. Yeah. All right, my next one, and you uh, mentioned this last week. You referred to it when I was talking about Bob, Bobby Helms and being one of the most recognizable oldie songs probably to newer generations, and you said this one as well, and I agree with that completely. I would say they're tied for that honor. Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree by Brenda Lee, which came out in 1958 from the album Merry Christmas from Brenda Lee. Oh.
5: Rocking around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party hop Mistletoe home where you can see every couple tries to stop Rocking around the Christmas tree let the Christmas spirit ring We have a happy holiday. Everyone dancing merrily in the new old fashioned way.
1: Like I said, another holiday rock and roll classic. Uh, I can't believe this is the first time we're featuring it. I don't know why it got yeah. pushed off to the third volume. Uh, by the song's 50th anniversary in 2008, so there's the theme here, right? By 2008, so 50 years after it was originally recorded, it had sold 25 million copies and had the fourth most digital downloads of any holiday any holiday song of the season. So this is 2008, so we're talking about digital downloads, right? We're not quite to the st- streaming era yet of Spotify um, it's back when, when Journey, uh, Don't Stop Believin', was the number one digital download. And right. everyone's like, look at this song, <laughs> it's like 30 years old and it's number one. So that's when we kind of started transitioning over. <laughs> yes. And I think people wanted to start making their own Christmas you know mixes and playlists. And so it got a lot of downloads. The song was written by Johnny Marks, who of course penned Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer another other Christmas classics like Holly Jolly Christmas. An instrument, actually, an instrumental version of the song appears briefly in that famous Rankin Bass Rudolph special which it's funny because I'm sure it's true and I'm going to look for it this this year when I watch it but I don't ever recall hearing it but apparently when the reindeer games are going on they play this instrumental in the background do they really yeah
2: hmm.
1: so I'll have to go back and listen for that
2: yeah no I, and you know Johnny Marks he was actually he was one of those famous Jewish uh, songwriters yeah he Irving Berlin there the, you'd be amazed at how many Christmas songs are actually Jewish written yep. so um yeah no i, I love i, I love the song i've always loved brenda lee so
1: fun fact brenda lee was only 13 years old when yep. she recorded this song um she was shocked when marx asked her to perform the track on the recording but he clearly knew what he was doing because it's a classic
2: it is it is it's and still it's it's a lot of fun frankly yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know, you, you're rocking while you listen to it. I
1: mean, it seems like any Christmas movie where there's an office party or some type of party, this song is playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just an easy one to, to put in there. Yeah,
2: and I, mean, I, was, I assume the royalty is, it's got to be on the cheaper end. Well, so, yeah, we well, would we'll think. Just uh, just by Probably, age.
1: Probably is it going to go into public domain pretty soon, or may already be. Uh, it's got to be they, That's something I didn't think about. Like, as these early rock and roll songs, it, you know, unless... People have gone up and extended their rights, the publishing rights, and so forth. A lot of these will go into public domain.
2: Yeah, you know, you bring up a good point. I haven't even thought about that. Yeah. Just the idea that Johnny Be Good could be, you know, free, a free for all. A free for all. Yeah, to me, that's unfathomable. But, yeah. I mean, you look at the calendar, and, yeah.
1: But I know you can't renew that. Like Lord of the Rings, for instance, the Tolkien family.
2: The estate, yeah.
1: The estate went through and, and made sure they continued to hold that copyright, which <laughs> right. was very
2: smart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we still have never talked Rings of Power. I'm going to, to do that sometime. Yeah, um, Not right now. Yeah. I just, no, but no. you brought it up. And I just realized we, we just have not talked right, about it. All right, your turn. All right, my turn. All right, so our third holiday mixtape. This is my third entry by Adam Sandler. Um, Sandler, he first performed the Hanukkah song on Saturday Night Live in 1994 before it appeared on his 1996 album, What the Hell Happened to Me. Um, since that first go around, Sandler has released three more versions with updated pop culture references.
1: Are you saying we have to do six of these now? Or no, three more versions after the original? After, yeah. Oh, I thought you This, this is part three, there are four.
2: There are, there four. are four, okay.
1: So we have to do at least one more.
2: At least one more. All Although, this. L.A. Rockers, the three sisters, Haim, yeah. they, last year... Did their own version of the Hanukkah song? Oh wow! And I mean, I have not heard it. Spotify doesn't have it. Okay. I've I've been looking. I mean, I'm sure it's on YouTube. I didn't look that hard. But but I was looking for this episode because I was going to go with Heim's version this year. I have no idea who they included in their in their particular oh, wow. version. Look, look for that. Yeah.
1: yeah. I'm gonna have to look it's it. It's gotta be on YouTube somewhere.
2: I'm sure. Well, I'm sure it is. But yeah, it, it it made headlines. Sandler was like really impressed with it. I from what I understand. But no, he has four versions, and this is part three.
6: Good guys. Give it up for the Dre
2: Dells, everybody. Hanukkah
3: is the festival of lights. One day
0: of presents, hell no, we get eight crazy nights. But if you still feel like the only kid in town without a Christmas tree I guess my first two songs
3: didn't do it for ya So here comes number three (laughs) Ross and Phoebe from Friends Say the Hanukkah blessing
5: So does Lenny's pal Squiggy And Will and Grace's Deborah Messing Melissa Gilbert and Michael Landon never
2: mixed meat with dairy. Maybe they should have called that show Little Kosher House on the Prairie. We got Jerry Lewis,
6: Ben Stiller, and Jack Blacker. Huh. Tom Arnold converted to Judaism, but you guys can have him back. Just kidding, Tommy. We may not get to kiss underneath the... Too. But we can't do it all night long we do something alone I'm Jewish! Oh my God, Sweet Robbie Schneider is
2: here! Each of the, the new versions by Sandler, they've all been live recordings. Only the first one was... Well, the first one was live too, but it was live on SNL. It wasn't to a large... Right, theater, you know,
1: um, and I think he, didn't he re-record it for yeah. the studio? Yeah, he re-recorded St- studio it. Studio yeah. version, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, but yeah, last year, it's to everyone's surprise, yeah, Elf Haim recorded their own updated version, so I gotta hear it. But this year, bringing the Hanukkah song part three. This one was featured in, on the two thousand two soundtrack to his animated holiday entry, Eight Crazy Nights which is a movie you can skip, folks. I'm
1: <laughs> just,
2: just trying to do you a favor. You can skip Adam Sandler
1: ones. productions are hit or miss. They
2: are. Yeah, and I mean, when he's on, he's on. Yeah. yeah. And when he's not...
1: Uh, All you gotta do is compare Uncut Gems to Jack and Jill.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm
1: maybe a fair comparison would be like Grown Ups versus Jack and Jill or what are some of his better comedies well oh, look, Billy, of course
2: the first couple um, I mean, Happy,
1: Happy Gilmore Happy Gilmore Bill and Addison
2: yeah. Yeah. I would even give some, some credit to Big Daddy but but it's once you gets a little Nicky I mean it's, it's all downhill from there you know um, but yeah Eight Crazy Nights this comes from the soundtrack one notable difference for part three this particular version there are assists by Rob Schneider mm-hmm. he actually performs in the song in character as Deuce Bigelow right and there's also the children's the New York Children's Choir the Dre Dells but yeah that's I, I feel like I don't need to give any further introduction to this particular number so nice yeah um, there you go part All right. three of the Hanukkah
1: song alright Well, my next one another one I can't believe we didn't choose because this one is just a straight out rocker I mean it, it, if the lyrics were completely different in the song and it wasn't a holiday song I think this would have been a huge hit at least it, for me it would be I'm talking about Father Christmas by the Kinks from 1977 <laughs>
3: Last time I played Father Christmas, I stood outside a department store, a gang of kids came-
1: I love The Kinks. Um, I stand by my claim that they had as much to do with the evolution of punk rock as The Velvet Underground and The Who. Oh,
2: without question.
1: Um, and, and you can hear it in this song. And then, of course, 77 is when punk is really coming into its own. Um, so I'm sure there may be drawing from some of the influences they influence, if that makes sense. But if you listen to their stuff from the 60s, you can definitely tell that influence is there. Um, it's just a great song, Holiday or Not. Like I said, the music and lyrics are both in the listener's face. Uh, as this department store, Santa is attacked by kids who demand money and jobs for their parents instead of silly toys. And that really makes sense in context because we we know all over the world, the late 70s were a difficult time economically. And England um, was no exception. And the unemployment rate was very, very high. And that's part of the reason why punk took off like it did in England. You know, I would always argue that the Ramones really got the ball rolling um, as a genre, right? A lot of people came before them, but I wouldn't call them necessarily punk. Ramones, I would say, is the first punk band. They, of course, influenced Sex Pistols, The Damned, a lot of those British bands, but really in the Clash, of course. But it was the lack of economic opportunity for young people at that time yeah. that really made it work in England, where it didn't really take off as much yeah. in the United States. Um, you know, yeah, there's a humorous undertone to the whole song, but like great pieces do, there might be a humorous undertone, but... It instructs and reminds us that Christmas can be very, very difficult for some families.
2: Yeah. No. This is one of the greats, Um, and you know, it's it's I. It was a song that growing up, when I would hear it, I I didn't, I I really didn't understand the, the gravity of what was being, you know, explained in the in the in the song. And yeah, I mean, it's just it's kids that you know we don't want the monopoly money. You know, we need the real thing. The one line from this song, though, that is always, it just feels so out of place, mm-hmm. is when he asked for the machine gun. <laughs> I've, I've just always tried to reconcile that with the rest of the
1: but song. But didn't he say to scare his friends? He didn't say to shoot or scare his enemies, not to shoot his enemy, or yeah. something. I got the impression it was more just a show of...
2: Yeah, I, it was, um, but if you've got a machine gun, um, what is it? So I can scare all the... Kids on the street, something, well, something like that.
1: Maybe I'm, I'm being too generous, but I looked at it as again, it's another way of like the request itself is ridiculous, and that's where the humor is. But the underlying the fact that this child feels like they are unsafe where they live. Oh, okay. Because they're being beat, beat up, or you know, by older kids or bullies or whatever, is kind of sad too. It is, yeah. I mean, that a kid should be asking for you know kid things. Uh, not cash and weapons. Right. So, what type of environment are they living in?
2: Yeah. Now, now you you just resolved the entire
6: issue. Oh, I don't me. know. I
1: just,
2: <laughs> well, no, no but, I thought of the but, same but, but, but thing. But it makes
1: sense, yeah. Because I've I've always, I mean,
2: I get the idea. You know, our, our you know my parents can't put food on the table. Right. But then you have just this random throwaway line about yeah. the machine gun. And it's well, just,
1: today guns, it's a whole different thing. Well, yeah. But, Back in n- nineteen seventy seven. In seventy yeah. seven, you're not thinking of lone wolf shooters, and right?
2: Yeah. Stuff. So. Um, I mean that was not an anti-gun message on my part. I was just, <laughs> no, I know. I was just saying I never understood the line in the context of the rest of the song. So, um, but you bring
1: up a good point. I mean, if you would have said Switchblade, maybe it would have been more in context. Uh, but yeah. whole, somehow Switchblade seems even more g- <laughs> gory than machine gun. A little bit, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, machine gun at least you you do your business and you go home. The knife you got to get in there. Oh, okay.
1: You know. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we're almost just, to the end saying. of the season. <laughs> so,
2: it's right. like the last day of school. It. it oh. <laughs> uh, not yet. But, all right. Um, my next one. This one, um, I, I brought in some blues. I thought, why not some three-part harmony jazz? You know, I n- never included, never even included the the Andrews sisters, honestly. Yeah.
1: Or the Lennon sisters, which we still or, haven't or, figured out. <laughs> um,
2: I'm gonna, yeah, I should have looked that Here, up last you week. You talk, I'm going to look okay. that up. Um, anyway, some some vocal jazz for our, our holiday mixtape this time. Um, this year, I'm going to bring to you the Papini sisters, or the Pupini. I'm not sure if it's Pupini or Papini, but um, that's on me. I should have looked that up. But the Papini sisters and their cover of the Wham! classic, "Last Christmas." <laughs>
6: The very next day You gave it away This year To save me from tears I'll give it to someone special
2: The Papini Sisters are a UK-based vocal trio that brings three-part harmony into the modern age with a repertoire that includes everything from Boogie Boogie Bugle Boy to Gloria Gaynor's I will survive. I mean, they they, they play with the three part harmony and bring, bring arrangements, big band arrangements to any number of songs. Um, they were inspired largely by the Oscar nominated film The Triplets of Belleville, which was a French animated movie which featured a forty style harmony group. Uh, the Papini sisters—they um, are Italian born singer Marcella Papini and English singers Kate Mullins and Emma Smith. Um, the three are not related. But the name, the Papini sisters, was chosen in tribute to their musical heroines who were the Andrews sisters. Uh, much like the Andrews sisters, the Papini sisters dressed in, um, they still do dress in 1940s style wardrobe. They're, they're just incredible. And their love for the genre is on full display as they sing with just these inspired harmonies. Uh, the, the trio are probably best known for providing the guest vocals on Michael Buble's cover of Jingle Bells. Um, but I think they shine far brighter on their own material If you're a fan of three-part harmony from the big band era, their artistry is just gonna, it's gonna blow you away, and I I promise that. The the trio are backed by a three-piece band featuring Martin Cullerides on guitar, Henrik Jensen on double bass, Peter Ibbotson on drums, and really the girls, they rose to stardom during the burlesque revival that began in the 1990s, and have since earned quite the celebrity following, from Sharon and Kelly Osborne to Vivian Westwood, Kate Moss, Stella McCartney, to members of the royal family, including Prince Charles, Charles uh, Camilla, the Duchess of Cornwall, uh, Prince William.
1: Wait, so what, a burlesque revival? How did I miss that?
2: You, you don't know about the burlesque revival? Diet Von Antis alone in the 1990s brought that.
1: Must be a burlesque. different timeline. I must have crossed over and missed that whole. You
2: missed burlesque? Well, it's still going. Still going strong. Okay. <laughs> Going strong where? Um, everywhere. I mean, you got it obviously in Vegas, New York, LA, but Cleveland. There's a Cleveland burlesque. Interesting. There, there are burlesque shows all the time in, in the Cleveland area. Interesting. All the yeah. big cities. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: wow. I'm, I, I'm, it's just a different timeline. I jumped over here at some point since all that happened. Okay. Yeah. It makes sense. There would be one. I just have no. Yeah. Recollection no. Um,
2: of. Yeah. Uh, Dita Von Teese, I think, was the kind of the the never real, heard of her you never heard of D- she was married to marilyn manson for a while oh not that I mean, she came to her senses and divorced the guy but it was still um yeah he uh he, he was mr von
1: teese for a not, while. not not one of our our favorite hometown no. sons
2: no no we i don't i don't claim him but but nonetheless um yeah did you don't know Dita von no, i don't
1: See, that's why i think i i <sighs> it's a different timeline
2: okay um
1: I just proved the quantum theory. You really did, I yeah.
2: But yeah, burlesque, it's its a thing again. Um, and the Papini sisters, they, they played a role. Um, but yeah, it, it's... Um, sorry, you totally threw me sorry. off with that. <laughs> So, um, yeah, if you wish to compare the Papini sisters to the Andrew sisters, though, uh, this Christmas album, uh, the one from which I, I pulled last Christmas, their their Wham cover, uh, it's a great place to begin because they do include a cover of Melakalikimaka and the, you know, that Hawaiian-themed Christmas song we talked about it earlier, made famous by the Andrews Sisters and Bing Crosby, it's just one of the many highlights on this terrific uh, Christmas album. Um, it, it really lets the Papini's have a ball uh, for the jazzy waltz treatment of my selection because what they do with Last Christmas, I love this. It almost has a, like, the Italian bistro feel. Like, I I, I don't know. I When I hear it begin, I think of Sway by, by Dean Martin. It's a very similar introduction to the song um but they also have sultry seasonal staples such as santa baby you know so yeah if you want to revel in the glamour and rejoice in the swing and lose yourself in the harmonies this might be the album to do it with and hopefully you'll you'll enjoy their
1: cover of last christmas by wham by the way the lennon sisters were a vocal group were they four women okay from the mid to late 50s early 60s very popular on the lawrence welk show
2: that's why I would know nothing about them. And, and, and <laughs> so. my
1: grandmother, uh, my my dad's mother, would watch that a lot. So I probably, when I was over at her house, forced to watch Lawrence Welk. Was Lawrence Welk still on that one? Well, reruns on PBS. They like they watch oh. the reruns. And my dad told me a story once that he felt the same way growing up watching that. And his his mom said, "Well, don't worry. When you're my age, you'll like Lawrence Welk." And my dad's like, "I'm her age now, and I don't like yeah. Lawrence oh, Welk." Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay, so it was a Lawrence Welk production. I am, yeah, I. Um, yeah, I well, even then, the fifties and sixties—that's you know—it's very different. from Andrews. The Andrews sisters right. were
1: thirties. Sure, 30s, sure. So. I just had the sisters but, thing in my mind. Yeah,
2: I—you got me on that one. But I—I—I I, I will concede. I know nothing about Lawrence Welk, and I really am quite
1: happy well, to I keep it that clearly way. Clearly, know nothing so. about burlesque. So, yeah, that surprises yeah. me. And not—not not that
2: I thought you would be going to the
1: burlesque shows by any means. But it's, it's, cabaret it's, is like the most—I. I yeah, have, but I've but, but it's noticed.
2: been it's been so prevalent, like in the for the last like thirty years. I'm just surprised that you hadn't heard of it. Just a, Different world. Yeah. Right.
1: So be it. My last pick, huh? Yes, sir. This, is, this one, again, we have to determine the order, but this, this might be a good closing song to consider. Um, this is Thank God It's Christmas by Queen. written by Brian May and Roger Taylor. It may not be the most dynamic of all holiday songs. It's, it's pretty mellow, it's pretty reflective, uh, and, and, and very sentimental. Um, didn't chart well. Brian May blamed on a lack of a proper music video. I think they just took some live clips together and put them together and he felt like at the time in 84, of course, it was all about video, that had they put more time and money into a video, it would have been a hit. I'm not sure about that. Um, I like the song a lot, but it just doesn't seem like hit material to me.
2: No, it's very understated. Right,
1: right. Um, but if you are someone who takes time during this year, and I think a lot of people do, especially as it goes into New Year, to look back at years past, um, I think this song will, will resonate with you. I think I might have described on the show at one point that I like to, on, on Christmas night, when all the you know family stuff's done and... When we had kids, you know, all the toys were opened and everyone's off doing their thing. I like to sit in front of the Christmas tree and just kind of relax and, and soak it all in, you know. Mm-hmm. This would be a good song. Well, know, like I that. know
2: you like the vibey stuff
1: yeah, in yeah. front of the fireplace. So, yeah, I, yeah. This,
2: this is very much in keeping.
1: It also has a little bit of, a, of a, uh, another message in it if you listen to the lyrics closely. Um, it, it, I think lyrically, uh, I, mean, I know musically it was written by Brian May and Roger Taylor. It wouldn't be surprise me if... if um, my gosh, this is what getting old goes to you. Um, the lead singer, freaking Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury, my gosh. <laughs> That's the scariest moment I think I've ever had in my life as uh, age.
2: That was a senior moment, Dave.
1: Yes, it was. Freddie Mercury, I would like to think he, he had something to do with the, the lyrics, uh, writing the lyrics to the song, because it just feels like, if you read between the lines, um, he's also coming to grips with his illness. Uh, and, 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 you know, Christmas, like I say, is a very, very reflective time, but he would definitely be looking back on his life and you know, thinking some of these deep thoughts. Without question. Um, yeah, so that's all. I really don't have a lot to say about it other than it's 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 one of those Christian songs from a band that everybody knows now, even the Young, Young and Snow Queen, um, but most people probably haven't heard this song. A lot of it to do, with, too. When they, when they were banned from MTV for their video I Want to Be Free, Right. they kind of wrote off America. Um, they just kind of said, all right, and they continue to have hits over in England and make videos and play um, but not until Live Aid did they really return back to the States. That's true. I may be wrong on that, but I'm pretty pretty sure. Yep,
2: no. Um, I, I, from what I remember, you're yeah.
1: absolutely right. Which, I which is why when we hear these songs later later on, I heard like Radio Gaga and um, what was the Miracle Song and uh, One Vision. They're, they're all some of the yeah. later songs that were hit singles in England. We, they weren't part of our early 80s Yeah, canon. no. I mean,
2: I, just Innuendo. I, yeah, lo- yeah. I love Innuendo. Yeah, right. that, that was yeah. an album that... It, Americans didn't know that album. Right, you know. right. Um, okay, well, yeah, I, I will admit, I, I pulled some pretty obscure stuff for this this season's Christmas episode. And in so doing, there wasn't a lot of information for a lot of the music. My last song, I have a lot of information, but my last song is also a bit of a cheat <laughs> because it's not really a Christmas song. Um, it does, however, fit the bill.
1: And it's one of my favorite... Songs by this artist. Yeah,
2: it it fits the bill. In my defense, Christmas is mentioned in a lyric that Mm -hmm. reads, We sail our ice cats on the frozen river. Some loser fires off a flare, amen. For seven seconds, it's like Christmas Day, and then it's dark again. Um, Nonetheless, it is a wintry tune, and it is by a pioneer of rock jazz fusion. The song is titled Snowbound. It's from the 1993 LP Comicariad by Donald Fagan. was a concept album. It, it follows Fagin's narrator as he goes cruising in a futuristic car, uh, all the while commenting on his experiences as a middle-aged man. Uh, the album is considered to be the central installment of a larger trilogy, beginning with the 1982 LP The Nightfly, uh, containing fantasies from Fagin's youth, continuing through the Middle Age observations of Comicaried, and then followed by 2006's Morph the Cat, which is Donald's reflections of, of old age. The song itself is about enjoying the nightlife of the city, despite a blizzard hitting the town. Um, At least that's what it appears to be about on the surface. I suspect it it actually exists as a metaphor for enjoying what little youth remains as one enters the blizzard of middle age, Mm
6: -hmm. in in,
2: in large part. Um, It was not issued as a single. So it had no chance to chart on the Billboard Hot 100, but given the dance, pop, hip-hop, alt-rock-heavy musical landscape of the time, I suspect it wouldn't have reached the top 40 at all anyway, even though it truly deserved to. It is probably way too mellow and cerebral to to achieve full pop chart success. In fact... But could have been a jazz hit on the jazz It it could have, yeah, absolutely. Um, In fact, I was going to say, the only charting single from the comic period LP was Tomorrow's Girls. Great song. Which peaked at uh, US number 32 on the adult contemporary, and number 20 on the mainstream rock charts. But again, no hot 100 appearance. Despite all this street cred from his prolific hit-making days as a member of Steely Dan, Fagin, as a solo artist, has only achieved one top 40 single, and you used it this season. It was the brilliant IGY. Mm-hmm. Only one that ever hit. Uh, a look back on the optimism of the late 1950s. That one hit number 26 on the pop charts.
1: And Let's be clear. Donald Fagan solo, the only difference is Walter Becker is playing guitar. True. Except... On Snowbound. Does he play guitar in this one?
2: Speaking of Steely Dan, Snowbound was produced, co-written, and featured bass and guitar by the late, great Walter Well, Becker. then
1: no wonder that's my favorite song on the album and yeah. m- one of my favorite yep. Donald Fagan songs.
2: Um, yeah, it, it really makes this tune, essentially. It is a, Steely, a Steely Dan, Dan song. song. Wow,
1: okay. Yeah, it is. Okay, Fagan, awesome.
2: and, Fagan and Becker even toured as Steely Dan in support of this LP, which Becker produced for his former bandmate. Um, and it, it's, it's a pretty... Freaking awesome.
1: I wonder why Stilly they didn't make this Steely Dan project cuz later on they they got together and yeah, I don't know. Recorded a few albums. They weren't know. they weren't as good as yeah, the, the earlier stuff. This
2: was their this was like the post Simon and Garfunkel My Little Town. I mean Which which
1: almost blossomed and then getting back together yeah, but but didn't. So. Yeah.
2: But yeah, no this one it is a Steely Dan song Becker performed, Co-wrote, produced. Yeah,
1: no, yeah. It, it's yeah.
2: Um yeah, the, this song too. There, there are two melodies at play here. One is a bright, sunny chord progression used as the chorus, and then you have this uh, descending note, darker segment played during the, the verses. Becker's springy bass, um, every bit as good as anything he has Chuck Rainey to play on the SD recordings. And and while his guitar solo during the instrumental break, it's not as aggressive as say FM. Um, but it, but its jazzy feel fits the vibe of the
1: tune. Oh, know? it's the jazz chords. Yeah, the jazz it's chords it's are all over the yeah, song. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh,
2: the lyrics are about going out and getting into a party mood in a cold do. Uh, cold, <laughs> let me try that again. In in a cold dark snowy city. Um, it's one of my favorite tracks by Fagin. it's one of my favorite tracks by Steely Dan. Yep. And it's and it you know snowbound stay.
1: And there's a vibey song. You accuse me of listening to vibe songs too much, but that's
2: oh I I'm, I'm not anti vibe. Okay, okay no
1: I just well, I think on my original list on Uncharted was a little too vibey. It was
2: that. a little too vibey.
1: Okay, yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I like vibey, but I don't. But see, I don't, I don't want twelve vibey. So it's a
1: reflection you know. of our age, I think. Which is. is probably why adult contemporary is popular, even though it I'll never is. like yeah. adult contemporary. But
2: we well, we still credit ourselves as dad rock. So you know, AC is just AC is just painful. That's like resignation. Yeah. You're yeah. just conceding.
1: Dad rock is not adult contemporary. It's Correct for those of us holding out. Yes.
2: Um. Yeah. Adult contemporary. It's just. Just the. The terminology, the lingo of adult contemporary, makes it feel like Lawrence Welk. All right, well, we got a, we got a segue. We we got to uh, sequence yep. the, this particular mixtape. Uh, we will be right back. All right, so our last two part episode of season three. We are gonna say goodbye when this one is through. It goes like this: We begin side A with "Jingle Jangle" by the Penguins. That is leads into Here Comes Santa Claus by Bob B. Sox and the Blue Jeans, followed by Christmas Time for the Jews by TV Funhouse featuring Darlene Love, Father Christmas by The Kinks, into Christmas Baby Please Come Home by U2. Thank God It's Christmas by Queen, Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney, The Lonely Jew on Christmas by Carl Bravlovsky with special celebrity guest we have the Jingle Bell Rock by Bobby Helms, followed by Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree by Brenda Lee, Christmas in Killarney by Bing Crosby, and we end Side A with Ho, 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 and A Bottle of Rum by Jimmy Buffett.
1: I'm going to pause for one second. Joe Walsh, it's Turned to Stone, Is Joe Walsh. It so, is just Joe Walsh. Just Joe Walsh. I,
2: I knew it wasn't James Gang, and, so and, so I, 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 and I
1: forgot to mention the greatest James Gang song, Funk 49, and they just performed the hell out of that. So, Yeah.
2: Funk 49, Rocky Mountain Way, I would assume, Pro. That's
1: Joe, well, that's Joe Walsh, so he played that one in his set. He did two sets, he did... Rocky Mountain Way isn't James Gang? Nope, that's Joe Walsh. Damn, yep.
2: I'm getting them all confused.
1: I know, because they're, you know...
2: Yeah, they're all interchangeable. Right,
1: so. but yeah, he no, they did a, a James Gang set separately from the Joe Walsh set. Okay.
2: Yeah. All
1: oh. right, sorry, side B. Side B, <laughs> here
2: we go. Uh, we begin with Christmas with the Devil by Spinal Tap, and we go into Another Lonely Christmas by Prince Puppy for Hanukkah which is the complete antithesis of the two that preceded it, uh, by David Diggs. That is followed by I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas by Lake Street Dive. I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus by Amy Winehouse into Big Bulbs Bulbs, uh, by Sharon Jones and the Dab Kings. The Hanukkah Song Part 3 by Adam Sandler featuring the Dre Dells. Lonely Christmas Eve by Ben Folds, followed by Santa's Blues by Charles Brown. Then we have Slay Ride by Harry Connick Jr., Last Christmas by the Pepini Sisters, and we end our third holiday mixtape with Snowbound by Donald Fagan.
1: And i got to revise it once again. Turn to Stone, even though I think it made have later, appeared on a Joe Walsh record, originally appeared on the Barnstorm album.
2: That's what really I said. I thought it was yeah. Barnstorm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I do. I get them all confused. I mean, the only Joe Walsh I know is not Joe Walsh. is the Eagles. (laughs) So everything else is just kind of, it's it's an umbrella. You know, everything falls neatly under the same sound, really. Um, But I do love me some Joe Walsh. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen that concert. Anyway, that is our holiday mixtape, and we are done. Season three is in the books, and... I guess we, we will see you in February.
1: Yeah, yeah, February. Um, hopefully, um, you know, if, if you're a new listener to the program, if you just picked us up this year, uh, you have quite a back catalog. I think we're around 80 some episodes now. Yeah. Um, so you'll have plenty to, to keep you going until next season. If you've been a loyal listener for three seasons and are all cut up, um, tell your friends. Um, you know, wintertime, there isn't a whole lot to do if you live up in the north, right? Correct. Can't be outside, like you mentioned last week. It's dark all the time. So why not? Uh, why not listen to a podcast that uh, hopefully we don't annoy you too much and you learn a little bit about rock and roll in the meantime. All right. Well, that's all for this season. Hot Funk, Cool Punk, even if it's old junk, another mix of memories awaits next year. Wow. It feels so good to say it, too, yeah. Next year. But for now, press pause,
2: lift the needle, hit eject, and we will see you in February.
0: Hittin' in a box undigified Gonna rewind and give them one more try Think about the days of lo-fi Mixtape Memorex and TDK getting music out there the old-fashioned way Making the greatest hits of one day Mixtape phonograph and dual cassette before you could get everything on the internet but some things ain't made it there yet mixtape line in line out if you don't have a line hold the recorder to the speaker turn the volume to nine here's an accidental slice of time